Record. Play. Good. Evening. <laughs> Listeners. Welcome to Best Sellers Podcast. My name is Tyler Vendetti. And my name is Maddie Dunkelberg. Wow, I think that's gone better than any intro we've ever done, actually. It's also going to be wildly confusing because we said each other's names. <laughs> We're, we are one entity. That's all I need to know. We've merged into one we since the last merged. episode. I mean, we did see Taylor Swift since the last episode. So yeah, which we, was a spiritual experience. It was transformative, I would say. <laughs> Transcendent. Transcendent. Um, yeah, the book we read this week, or over these weeks is Demon Copperhead by Barbara Kingsolver. Woo! Woo! On many best of 2022 lists. And yes. On the bestsellers, as we know. She also is a prolific author who has written books in the past like The Poisonwood Bible, Bean Trees, Flight Behavior. I wrote down, she loves injustice. Uh, or writing she, about yeah, injustice. She, or she, maybe she loves... <laughs> She loves finding injustice. I don't know if she loves injustice. Some widespread injustice. She loves it. This was like, I was like, surely she's been around for so long. There must be more controversies about her. But when I was doing my brief research on Wikipedia, it seemed like her most controversial moment was kind of a Dixie Chicks moment where she was like, I think the Iraq war is bad. And everyone was like, you're a traitor. <laughs> and so actually... That was good. It's yeah. That. I feel like the only one that I found, I didn't even find the Dixie Chicks one. I, I feel like in general, people are just like, she cares too much. <laughs> and they're mad about it. person. <laughs> right. Unlike, uh, what's her name? The, where the crawdads sing lady. When she went to Africa, she did not kill <gasps> any lions. <laughs> no. Um, so that's good. Um, you know, maybe there's some, she does seem to sometimes write characters of different races but that's a right. that's a complicated issue there's a white woman from Appalachia mm-hmm. I don't know if that she's allowed to do that she was born in Maryland yeah oh. I just want to say <laughs> but she <laughs> did grow up in Appalachia <laughs> I, we're probably going to say it a different way every different time different way every time and I want to be respectful of the region but um we live far away from there <laughs> When I, I was looking up a, a list of characters for this book just to refresh my memory, and in the summary of it, it was like, blah, blah, blah is from, um, or Demon Copperhead lives in Southern Appalachia in California. And I had this moment where I was California? like, What? And I went down like a 10 minute rabbit hole where I was like, Have I been thinking about this wrong the whole time? The website was wrong. Oh my God. <laughs> How did they get so. I feel like it's very clear. That it was gradesaver.com. So don't use that <laughs> if you're trying to okay, <laughs> do well on your next test. I. Okay, so they. I was like, Surely I just missed it. But they never do say where in Appalachia we are, correct? We know we're in Lee County, but he'll be like, oh, I went to Knoxville. Oh, this was in Kentucky. Oh, this was in West Virginia. Yeah, but I guess you're right. I, th- I assumed it was Kentucky. At first like I some thought it was Virginia because of all the, the mining stuff. And most of my knowledge of that is based on the movie October Sky. <laughs> well, and I know that she's from, she lives in Virginia, I think. I think she lives in Kentucky. Maybe you're right. Maybe no. she was raised in Virginia. She was raised in Kentucky. Somewhere I don't know. over yeah. there. I th- I, she... Either we missed, both missed where he lives, or it's kind of a purposeful, like, it's in every town. Yeah. All that matters is that it's not in Europe, which is where the original book um, 
this is based on, yes. I feel like we should say, David Copperfield David, yeah. by Charles Dickens, which was, I think, set in Europe and like had a very similar theme. It's set in London town, miss. <laughs> Maddie's actually going to be uh, a character from that book that pops oh, in during the this podcast. revolution. <laughs> I'm so glad. Oh, at the last podcast I had, I found a reason to do that uh, really bad accent almost every episode. And now I've, I have a reason she's again. Re- she's revived her. I've revived. <laughs> Let us know if you like it. <laughs> From old, jolly old England. In London town. Um, have you read David Copperfield? No, I, I haven't. I did. I looked up some deets. About, <laughs> about David Copperfield. One of the most famous authors of all time? Yeah. Cool. I, I he did not like sellers. spiritualists. I know that. In what way? Uh, he didn't like when people would pretend to commune with the dead. Mm. Mm-hmm. Did he like I Harry think, Houdini? Yeah, I think so. I think they were in on it They together. were their bads? Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> I know he had some beef with spiritualists, too. He really too. did. <laughs> he really, really did. Um, okay. What do you want to tell me about Charles Dickens? <laughs> Um, okay, well, you can tell me what I'm wrong about, but I did look up the original David Copperfield, just because I was oh. curious. I have seen the Dev Patel movie. I didn't know there was a Dev Patel so movie. So, it came out kind of recently, and he plays David Copperfield. I enjoyed it, but, um, you know, it was f- kind of fun. The whole entire book, I was like, I think this was uh, Hugh Laurie. Oh, I think this was, what's his name? And then I was kind of trying to puzzle it together, but I also didn't remember the movie that well, so. I also had a question. Is there any relation to David Copperfield, the uh, magician from Vegas? I mean, I think he named himself after. For the character. But why? Do we know? I don't know. (laughs) I wish I knew. Did he work in a factory as a child? Was he raised in poverty? I don't know. We're gonna have to find out. Yeah. Um, well, the original David Copperfield, just to fill people in if they also don't know who Charles Dickens is. Um, you knew who Charles I did, Dickens was. But I've, I actually realized I've never, I don't think I've read any of his books. I don't which makes think me a bad English either, major. because, like, I remember my dad had, like, volumes of his books that no one ever seemed to read. I think he had read them at yep. one point. But I was just like, oh, look at those. It's like one of those authors that you get their books so that you can put it on a shelf as decor, mm. but you never actually read them. I also feel like... We've all, we all know the stories, like every piece of like children's, you know, I don't know, entertainment is like based on a Charles Dickens story. So we all know Christmas Carol and the Prince and the Popper and a Tale of Two Cities and whatnot. Right. Even if you don't think you know it, you probably do. Although I can't remember the difference in a Tale of Two Cities right now. Is that the one that City Mouse, Country Mouse is? I don't know why you're asking me. (laughs) I just told you I haven't read any. Prince and the Popper. There's a lot of adaptations to that one, so I'm more familiar. Um, Just a quick recap. Yes. David Copperfield, the original book is... I'm going to mess this word up. Bill Dung's Roman. Oh, um, yeah. Bill Dung's Get those Roman. SAT words in. Yeah. Uh, and it, apparently when it was released, it was modeled after 18th century personal history type books. So it was considered to be very dry, almost reading more like a journal um, or just like a very dry retelling of somebody's personal history. I would say this is probably an, an improvement then. Because this was not as dry. It was not as dry, but it yeah. did feel like it was very long, and it was very, it was, it was like very detailed, like yeah. every little thing. Uh, but yeah, they they're kind of similar. They both follow like a young, impoverished boy from childhood to adulthood, so this large span of time. 
they both critique institutional poverty and its damage on children. Um, the first one's about the Industrial <laughs> Revolution. Do you have a name for your character? <laughs> Torg. Torg? That's what they call me on the factory floor. My name's Betsy Torgle. Betsy, I didn't realize they allow women to work in factories. Oi! I'll take what I can get! I wear a little hat so they think I'm a boy! And they really look right past all the golden locks that... Oh, oh yes! I tuck them in me cap! Oh, I just want to get a toppings for me daily bread! Anyway. Anyways. Thank you, Betsy. Um, Welcome. Call me Torg. Torg, sorry. <laughs> uh, so that's the original book, but this is a different book. This is a reimagining. You, you want, want me to, I'll tell you about it. Do you want to talk about it? Yeah. About it. So instead of David Copperfield, it's Demon Copperhead. That's not his actual name, but that's what everybody calls him. Um, even though there are no Copperheads in the area, we this is covered. Anyway, um, he is born to a single teen mom, lives in a a trailer park community and um you know it kind of relies on his community to to get through but then his mom dies and he's shuttled from foster home to foster home and kind of child labor camp to child labor camp and um ultimately adopted and finds some success only to fall prey to opioid addiction and he's gotta his claw his way out of there and then uh uh, (laughs) this website put it well i thought uh through it all he reckons with his own invisibility in a popular culture where even the superheroes have abandoned rural people in favor of cities which is something i didn't really think about before yeah you're right i because i feel like if you think of every superhero example that we have it's all like Clark Kent trying to save mm-hmm. the the urban folks. Yeah, they like come from even Gotham. I mean, like yeah. literally, they have their own city. Nothing else is Batman. happening anywhere else. I feel like there's a, a missed opportunity for television somewhere about the superheroes that protect rural areas. Yeah. What was the name in this book? He sort of creates Smallville. one. Oh. Oh. You're right, but I <laughs> I meant in this book, <laughs> our character creates a superhero for this, yeah. the rural people. Redneck. That was his name, Redneck, yes. which we'll cover. I also didn't know... Well, yeah, we'll get to it. But that's that's the brief overview. Um, what was your initial takeaway of the book? <sighs> My initial takeaway is that... The foster care system is broken. I know, <laughs> and, it's so fucked. And we need better ways to incentivize people to do foster care. Because in this book, we, when his mom dies, we kind of start to track his journey from the different foster care homes that he goes to. And every single one is garbage. The first yeah. one is this guy named Creaky, who lives on a farm, who only takes in foster kids because he gets like a stipend from the government. Mm-hmm. Like, one of his other families that he jumps to uses him for child labor. Like, there's just no good outcome in this at least in this book which i think is supposed to be a critique of the whole system yeah it's it is fucked i knew it was fucked but i don't i was kind of appalled at i don't know if this is some like a little bit of 
kind of like magical realism or or if this would actually happen but like the social workers ask him at one point like where should we put you right and he's like i don't know insane truly insane um yeah but i did think it was interesting in uh, him and talking about him and how he goes to all these different families you do get a cast of characters that make reappearances like Mm -hmm. sort of he meets kids at his first foster home that then he sort of encounters later in life Mm -hmm. right other foster homes and they use that to show all of the different paths that you can take uh, kind of coming out of this or like to use that as an example of like almost like nature versus nurture right that Mm -hmm. all of these people can go into the same system and take wildly different paths should i briefly go like real quick lightning round through all the the places he goes yeah okay so he's got his mom then terrible stepdad stoner comes in abusive mom relapses um dies of because of oxy and then he's like okay well well <laughs> that's not <laughs> okay well that was me <laughs> that was me trying to remember what, what's next um then he goes to where's he go oh right after that he goes to creaky's the farm um and that's where he meets fast forward who will come back he's like the you know braggadocious like older boy a nice boy named tommy a boy named swap out who isn't well um (laughs) and then he's you know trying to kind of stay with the peggots his friends and neighbors but they don't they can't take him and his best friend maggot lives with his grandparents the peggots they also sometimes visit aunt june um who's the peggots daughter and her adopted niece slash daughter emmy oh my god this is so much and then he goes to the macabres at one point and they are only using him for money they make him work under the table and give him the money um or i was like what is that name okay then eventually he gets to go to coach winfield's house he's the coach of the football team in lee county and everyone loves him um well he goes to coach winfield's house because he finally meets his grandma well first he runs away has a harrowing time Mm -hmm. uh gets robbed by a sex worker he meets his grandma she is like oh my god it's so great to see you but i only let girls stay here i only like girls and i hate uh how boys have to stand up to pee and (laughs) Um, which we'll get into that. Um, about our feelings about boys standing up to pee. Yeah. To be clear. <laughs> Dumb. Um, <laughs> and then she connects him with Coach Winfield to get him, gets him kind of back like in the system. And then, um, he gets to be in this big house with a nice foster sister, Angus, and an evil slimy man named Yuha, which I think might've been wished Ben. Ben we shot in the movie, but I don't remember. And um, yeah, that's that's about it. And then while there, while on the football team, you know, he has his 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 pinnacle, I guess, of success. And then he's like golden years, golden years. And mm-hmm. then he, I, I was like, oh, when Barbara was like, and these are the years I didn't see how good I had it. And I was like, no, what's going <laughs> to happen next? And then when it was. When he got injured, I was like, oh, no, it's going to be opioids. I, yeah. I should have known. That this is the slippery slope because he sort of goes and he plays he's football and he's, like, living the time of his life. He's, like, the most yeah. popular boy in school. And then he injures, like, his ankle. Mm-hmm. And then his coach is like, but I want you to keep playing. And so he, like, starts taking drugs so that he can keep mm-hmm. playing. And then it just becomes a whole mess. And he meets a girl named Dory yes. and they're in love. But she's also an addict because she was, like, a teen who had to take care of her dying dad. And there were a lot of 
painkillers around and that was the most heart-wrenching part of the book for me there's one specific scene that uh, i think i had to like take a break and take a walk or something because he just starts dating this girl and he's describing like how this is the first time he's like been in love and how wonderful Mm -hmm. she is and kind of all their experiences together and then they have like one of their first dates and she Mm -hmm. and he thinks that like she's gonna like pull out you know like candy or like drinks or and just have a good happy moment in like the car in the woods and then she pulls out like drugs and he's like oh and then they do drugs together and have sex for the first time and that he kind of breezes past that but that's like the sense the very first sense you get Mm -hmm. that he's about to head down a bad path i thought that was really it was a hard scene to read but it was really well written Mm -hmm. and that he was like i just it's so bleak that i don't remember this what was i was so it was sorry it was so special it was a special person like and i just don't remember it because you know they were shooting up morphine patches i felt like i did learn something about Mm -hmm. kind of how situations like this can arise and how easy it is to slip into to slip into addiction and these environments Mm -hmm. and to be surrounded by people that are dealing with the same thing and can't really help you get out of it um and just like how that particular area Mm -hmm. also encourages i mean they were in one of the in one of the chapters, they, t- <laughs> they talk about uh, how the environment itself and the place that they grow up kind of encourages this behavior and they don't make any efforts to to stop this bad cycle from happening. Like even, you know, even like the government in, in the education system, uh, when kids go into the education system, they don't make efforts to teach them about jobs outside of being like coal miners and mm-hmm. like you know, working on farms. Like, they don't really teach them about these career paths. At least that's how it was described in this book for this particular mm-hmm. county, um, which I thought was interesting because it just goes back to the idea of institutional or systemic poverty mm-hmm. and how it's built into the system. A lot of, like, manual labor that requires you to work through pain in order to do your job. And even for, like, um, you know for someone like demon the character he's like football is his potential way out Mm -hmm. and if he can't play football then what does he have so he has no choice but to like take the you know pain meds and then and keep going and i just i don't know i think it's really again i don't really know much about anything (laughs) firsthand (laughs) but i think it's really um i don't know the more stories that are out there about opioid addiction i think are really important because it i think if you don't understand it it can just be so foreign and people don't get how um just how it's just impossible yeah (laughs) yeah it's just impossible and there was a character in this book that was sort of supposed to be the mouthpiece i think for for the readers and people looking in from the outside i was it june there was i think it was june june is the one who was like she dated someone who worked for Purdue and like, yeah, she kept being like, they're doing this to you there. It's, it's their doing. It's not your fault. It's their doing. And it was really well written. It just mm-hmm. in that the influence of Purdue and these narcotics seep in very slowly throughout the book. So in the mm-hmm. beginning, she kind of mentioned yeah, that it she's was well done. It was very well done. I mean, by the end of the book, I was like, Oh, well wow. done, Barbara. You did a very good job. <laughs> a very good job. I think describing this tragedy. <laughs> When they first, I think the first kind of mention you get of opioids is when the mom dies and they're like, it's this new thing called Oxy. So it was kind of interesting because of the format of like, you get 
to kind of see the the arc of the opioid crisis, like from when it was just kind of a new thing and like doctors were prescribing it, you know, and the pain numbers mm-hmm. and everything like to it being so pervasive that it was like everyone, you know, is is on some kind of opioid. It was, right. Well, except for your friends who are on meth and too bad for them because <laughs> they, they're fucked. <laughs> it was a kind screwed. of an aside. It was like at the end, I mean, the one, the one good thing about, you know, ugh, opioids is that there are harm reduction methods that we know like suboxone and naloxone and everything. Did I, is naloxone? Did I make that up? Anyway. I'm going to trust you. <laughs> and, and so like he was able to go to a clinic and get, that medication and but then they're like oh maggots on meth so (laughs) he'll go to jail and then he'll meth meth was a big is meth big in massachusetts it's big in oregon (laughs) no it's not oh i feel like we get fentanyl though that's our problem right now god yeah it's that's really bleak Back to the book. Uh, so, do we want to, like, talk about themes? Do you have discussion questions? I do have discussion questions. Right. Did you feel that the female characters were fully fleshed out? Or sometimes, I felt like sometimes um, Angus in particular was kind of used as a device more than a than a character. But I was Ooh. curious what you thought. Well, first, tell me more about that, because that's an interesting take. I, mean, I do it, want to talk about that character because I think she's interesting. I think she is interesting. I think she is like a kid we all know slash were, which is kind of like an alt, <laughs> you know, kid. Um, I kind of felt like she disappeared for a long portion. I mean, he was kind of like out of her life. He was like afraid to, um, you know, engage with her because he didn't want Angus to see him at his lowest. Yeah. But also it kind of felt like, it was like, I mean, because I kind of knew just based on like, you know, the, the movie version that I'd seen that she was going to be the ultimate like love interest for him. But it kind of felt a little bit contrived for the end where he's like, oh, actually, I'm going to Angus now. And then at the end, they finally get together and he's like, oh, yeah, we're going to fuck for sure. Which, yeah. I, I The one one pet peeve that I sometimes have in movies and TV shows and books and media um, <laughs> is when you have a character like Angus, who in this book, she, just a reminder, is the, the sister that he lives with when he moves yeah. into Coach Winfield's house. Uh, but when he first meets her, she's kind of a tomboy. He, like, mistakes mm-hmm. her for a boy um, because she's so tomboyish. And then over the course of the book, he starts to kind of see her in a different light. It's very much the Hermione story from mm-hmm. Harry Potter, where, like, they started as a friend. And then as they grow up, you're like, oh, wait, you're hot. Yeah, and then you date that. them. Mm-hmm. So and that's one of my pet peeves. It's like sometimes in in stories like this, I'm like, why can't she just be a female friend that means a lot to him and has gone through all of these things with him, and she doesn't have to be a romantic partner? Yeah, I also always have a, a tough time with the um, like <laughs> stepbrother trope, like clueless style. I'm always like if. If they were kind of like emotionally <laughs> your brother or sister, yes. that I have a hard time with. But it is a big trope in uh, romance and novels. People love it. <laughs> it's also a big uh, category in porn. So mm-hmm. I, I understand the appeal there. Because so technically they're not blood, but you feel a sense of closeness. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that was, that one was a little tough for me. I do, like, love their relationship, and I love that they, but yeah, I think it, it felt a little shoehorned in. I think it was yeah. kind of just like, this, it is a mapped over yes, an existing thing, so. Because at the very, you, they sort of throw in, I truly think it's like the last five pages, like, mm. they decide to go on this trip together, and he kind of looks over at her as they're driving and has this mm-hmm. feeling of like, oh, wow, I think I love her. Or mm-hmm. I mean, they don't say that, but like, that's the sort of, idea they're trying to project and it was like that was the very first time i think in the whole book where he so explicitly sort of had these romantic feelings for her yeah there was a lot of like there was a build-up in that he would occasionally be like and i found myself thinking about angus and yeah i don't know i did think it was interesting though that um dory i again i could only speak to the death patel version <laughs> but dory is a very like or that you know equivalent to dory is a very like airheaded just kind of like one-dimensional bad character and so i thought it was a really a more interesting portrayal of that i think toward the end she it kind of was like oh you know <laughs> she's too far gone she's my doll i didn't love that She's my doll? Uh, he would. He was like, she's my doll. Like, she's, um, that's what she is to me. She is, oh. like, just something I have to take care of or oh, whatever. Oh, oh, yeah. But I did, but I did think that was a, a more nuanced yeah, portrayal. Yeah, I, I did think that was, uh, and then I will answer your <laughs> will answer yeah, your question. <laughs> but just to, like, wrap up the Dory, the Dory story of it all, because when he first meets Dory, who's his first girlfriend, he kind of sees her from across the way and like it's like love at first sight and he mm-hmm. is infatuated with her but then as she spirals further and further into her addiction he sort of becomes the caretaker mm-hmm. um which is an interesting parallel because the whole reason that she ends up in in this addiction cycle is she is the caretaker mm-hmm. for her dad or her dad or her grandpa her dad, her yeah. dad who like has cancer or something um and so it just it's just showing how history repeats itself and like she ends up becoming a burden and by the end of that relationship i don't want to say he's glad that she's died because he's very sad but he's relieved because he like no longer has to like take care of this person which i think that's a real thing like a real emotion you sometimes have when you're grieving is like a a sense of relief i didn't i i was like i didn't love the part where there's like well she's also a brat and got everything she ever wanted and so she was (laughs) she deserved it kind of an asshole but um I don't know. I was like, I think, isn't it enough that this poor girl yeah. is an addict? Like, we don't need to give her these. But anyway, it was it was a nuanced like character well, overall. I think, and I think it also plays into a theme that I noticed a lot in the book that I'm sure you have questions about too, which is sort of adulthood versus childhood and mm-hmm. the adultification of kids, maybe in these environments or in these situations, because. Just like Dory had to learn how to take care of her dad, and it, it forced her to sort of become an adult too soon, like, it then Demon Copperhead had to sort of do the same thing. He mm-hmm. became her caretaker, and he lost his innocence too soon, and and I and I don't know if I made this up or if this was actually part of the book, but I think, does he talk about Holden Caulfield in the he book? He does, yeah. Because, like, that also felt very... Um, notable just in that he sort of idolizes this character that is very well known for wanting to save people's childhood and innocence mm. uh because it's I've almost never read catcher in the Rock. <gasps> maddie yeah. listen i you guys can call me a, a serial killer but catcher in the Rock <laughs> was my favorite book in high school 
I connected to it. I don't care what you say. Um, for all of these reasons, it was about like, it's especially poignant for like people who are seniors who are like going off to college and they're like taking this big life step and they don't know what's happening with their life. Like I think it captures that uncertainty. I know he doesn't like when people are phonies. He doesn't like when people are phonies. He also doesn't know where the ducks went. Where did they go? I can't tell you that. You have to read where the book. did the ducks go? Where the ducks go? may swim on the lake, <laughs> but my daddy owns the lake. Um, for all you holes heads out there. <laughs> um, yeah, we never. that was never a sign reading for me. What did you read instead? Like Gatsby? Yeah. That's lame. Did you not read it? I read Gatsby, but Catcher was better. We read a separate piece. We the read gay one. I know. I wish <laughs> we didn't talk enough about how it was gay. It was so queer coded. Ugh. We read Animal Farm. Okay. Did you read Ethan Frome? My teacher being like, "And your dad's a socialist because he's a librarian," and I was like, "Huh?" But now I'm like, "Well, yeah. Well, yeah, he is. He's great." Ethan Frome. Ethan Frome. No. Did you ever read that? the The premise of Ethan Frome was, "What if?" Romeo and Juliet, when they tried to I'm kill them, out. <laughs> but, well, what if when they tried to kill themselves, uh, it failed, and then they just ended up sad oh. and sick for the rest of their life? Oh, why are they sick? Because of the poison? Because like one of them, I think, like crashes into a tree, and then she's like <sighs> paralyzed, and then he has to take care of her, and they grow resentful of each other, and it's like uh, a really depressing view of that story. Probably more realistic. I mean, yeah, but. that does make sense because they had nothing in common <laughs> yeah, well, right I was like it's on, in some ways it's probably more accurate but that's a depressing outlook mm. we had to read a book about the kid who was on a boat and his cat was eaten by a shark oh what what book is this couldn't tell you <laughs> this is couldn't the real you. story of Moby Dick could not tell you <laughs> <laughs> but I took my summer reading very seriously so I did I did read it very carefully um, oh my god, I'm so sweaty. I forget your question. So, oh, women, good, <laughs> good or bad? I think overall. I mean, it is written by a woman. I think sometimes. I think maybe Angus is the one who gets the, the shortest shrift. It's it's hard to answer that question because I do feel like now that I'm thinking about most of the women in the story, I feel like the majority of them were probably the the characters that had the most sense like i'm thinking mm-hmm. of like aunt june mm-hmm. and even angus i think for the most of the majority of the book is portrayed as like this really smart go-getting mm-hmm. person that is determined to get out of the situation yeah. and even aunt june i mean she moves to another town and she's like a nurse and she builds herself into something so like in that way they're portrayed mm-hmm. well you know i think that one thing that's tough is like because of the, just the nature of narrative and whatever hero's journey whatnot um like demon is kind of like the best at being an addict (laughs) like he's the one who's able to pull out of it um i mean but obviously like that's what you want your main character to be (laughs) when you're really (laughs) sad if demon just dies halfway through the book but it is like kind of a bummer when he's like well maggot's fucked (laughs) i know yeah (laughs) and like a lot of the storylines are kind of like oh and uh we spent so much time in the early life that a lot toward the end is kind of like, well, and then I was in rehab for two years and then you know, well, Mariah got out of jail and uh, this person was that. And 
you know, I don't, it's like, listen, it's, I don't think I could write a better book. I think it was a good book. <laughs> no, but it's kind of like the montage at the, in the season finale of yeah. your favorite TV show yeah. where like it tries to wrap up every storyline with all the characters and it was mm-hmm. like, and then they lived happily ever after and then they went off and got married and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And you get like two seconds of every character. Yeah. It's the goodbye tour. Goodbye tour. Okay. Um, we have talked for a long, every time I'm like, I don't have many notes. <laughs> Then we go on forever. Um, I just realized. We never introduced our wine. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, we'll post about it, but... Do you want to hear? Yeah, I was really proud. I stood in the line at Ralph's to get this wine, so you're welcome. Another girl was there only buying wine as well, and we bonded over that. (laughs) um, It's called Odd Lot is the... uh, Name winemaker, and it is a Syrah Cab Sauv blend. But I picked it because it has a comic strip on the front. And Demon, that's one thing that I threw line throughout. He's like, he loves to draw superheroes, and that's like kind of one of his saving graces at the very end is that he he creates this superhero called Redneck, um, who finally represents the kind of people he's seeing in his everyday life, and like, um turns them into a superhero that actually i i don't want to steal your thunder but i did write down a couple of questions that i had as i was reading but one of them is why do you think that she decided to make demon an artist because i think in the original david copperfield you can tell me if i'm wrong but he's not an artist by trade that's not kind of the career that he ultimately pursues so that's a very significant change that she made in this book i think it was it was a great way to be like his he found his purpose and his purpose was helping people like him be seen because i think there was yes. a through line of like being invisible and like it, for so long like the plight of everyone who was you know the plight of the the opioid crisis was also invisible and he kind of brought light to that and Yes. That's interesting that you bring that up because I did, I I had a section where I wrote down just like themes of the book and invisibility or not feeling seen Mm -hmm. is a huge one. Uh, Both, and I think that both relates to him not feeling seen because he didn't get a chance to sort of experience childhood in the way that you should. And it, it, you know, he sort of skips straight to adulthood and he feels like he's been looked over in that way. But I think it also relates to the, the clash between like the rural and the urban and mm-hmm. uh, the the fact that the world and the, the government sort of pits those two sides against each other. And like the people that live in cities or live in suburbs purposefully kind of overlook the people that live in rural areas or see them in a negative light or don't see them at all. And so he, in the book, you know, Demon Copperhead talks a lot about that and how he feels invisible. And I mean, like there was a quote that I wrote down that, he says at some point, he goes, we both lay back down and she looked at me in the eyes and we were sad together for a while. I'll never forget how that felt like not being hungry, which I thought was interesting because it's almost like you're equating being seen with a basic life need. Like, yeah. you know, and that is something that he's not getting. Yeah. And like, even when he was, you know, fed, clothed, sheltered, he didn't feel seen 
And so he was like missing something. And I think you're right. That's like the thing. Yeah. Look at us being so intellectual after two glasses of wine (laughs) and dying of heat in this closet. I have been counting. I think seven drops of sweat have rolled down my back. I'm like, my hair is full. I washed my hair today. It's all sweaty. Whatever. Um, The... You brought up something that I thought was interesting, which was the, like, city poor versus country poor yeah, thing. Yeah, tell me. Um, he kind of had a... Part of it was, like, when you're country poor, like, you have the land. The land is the only thing you have. You can walk around and, like, pick, I don't know, an apple off a tree or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting... I never really thought about that. I don't think it's that simple, but, like, mm-hmm. what an interesting... I don't know. What do you think about that? No, no, no. You're right. Because so one thing that uh, that he sort of talks about. So at one point in the book, our character, when I think he's when he goes to his first foster family, Creaky. um, Thank you. Are you bringing me more wine? Yes. So what he goes to his first foster family, Creaky, this farmer. Ah. uh, What he spends a lot of his time doing is farming tobacco in the fields like during Mm -hmm. the day. Which can be dangerous, and he can get hot and sweaty, and if you don't, like, handle the leaves correctly, you can, like, cut yourself, and it's, like, a... It's kind of, like, a really hard job. Um, it is kind of, like, a really hard job. It's kind of a hard job. So we had... <laughs> but, so he mentions, he kind of at one point is talking about, like, how people... And again, it, it's it's the, the pitting of the urban against the rural, because uh, he talks about how sometimes classmates can can look down on on people who are like farmers or who, who spend a lot of time doing physical labor because there's this perception that 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 type of work is not as valuable as like being intellectually intelligent. Mm-hmm. Like they can look at somebody who's worked in the fields all day and sort of criticize them for not knowing like what the capital of, you know, Minnesota is when they're just doing a different kind of work. It's a different mm-hmm. type of intelligence. Yeah, I guess that's what happens when you build your entire economy on uh, treating human beings as commodities and using slave labor. Yeah. Yeah. And not to use another quote, but you know how much I love quotes. So I wrote another one down. Quotes. This one goes, for farmers, a tour of tobacco duty can feel like a season in hell. And you come back from it feeling like an army vet, proud, used up, messed up, wishing to be appreciated and invisible. Mm. You'll go back to school and get treated as another dumbass in history that doesn't know the difference between a state and a commonwealth. I mean, who does? (laughs) (laughs) I... Much respect to anyone who can um, do anything. (laughs) Who can do labor. I'm wasting away over here. I'm so sweaty. I can't. I've tried to like cross my legs. I can do manual labor. I've tried to cross my legs a few times and they're slipping off of each other. (laughs) Okay. Oh my God. I think that's basically all the. Discussion questions okay. I had. I have one more okay. for fun okay. to end it. Yeah. So in this book, every character has what Demon Copperhead calls a not mother assigned name. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like when you live in a small town and you give each other like funny nicknames. So like we have fast forward, you know, our main character is Demon Copperhead. Uh, we have people like swap out. Like everybody gets sort <laughs> of a, really figured a out maggot. what <laughs> swap out never really got a a conclusion to an explanation. Like, oh, we found swap out in in the meth house, but 
he seems fine. Okay, bye. <laughs> they were always they were kind of like he has some vague sort of developmental delays, but <laughs> delays. Maybe he has quiet. such a little. Uh, he's there's no defining features of him that you could swap him out with anyone uh, else. I don't know. I don't know. Ah. But all of that said. They all have weird names. That's kind of like a little trend that they do in this particular community. Oh, so my I, question is, I, <laughs> do you know what it is? What would yours be? Oh. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was pretty cool in college when the people on the improv team called me Dunks. <laughs> and listen, I understand that saying... I thought it was pretty cool when, and then the second part of the sentence is people on the improv team <laughs> kind of negates it. But um, I guess that's kind of my my secondary name, a la Demon Copperhead. I don't know what my tertiary name, uh, a la Diamond, would be. <laughs> okay. Maybe you have to name me. Oh. I don't mind Dunks because as a Bostonian, you know how much I love Dunkin' Donuts and that's why I call Dunks. So I love coffee and I love Maddie. Okay, do you have one in mind for yourself? Yeah, I do. Um, So when I was younger, my last name is Vendetti and there was a boy in school that ended up being my first boyfriend. But when he, before we started dating, he used to tease me and he... When was your first kiss? Sixth grade. Ah! I was 13. I was fucking 17. (laughs) Well, if it makes you feel better, I was 13, and then, like, I didn't have any more kisses until I was, like, 19. That's fine. So, um, I made I think up for that. there is not... In our culture... <laughs> Go ahead. There's not enough representation of the lame girls. <laughs> the kisses I have many girls. friends who did not kiss anyone until they're in their 20s, okay? <laughs> and it's okay. We're nice girls. We're out there. We're out there. <sighs> <sighs> We are the faces of this movement. Yeah. <laughs> um, but before I kissed this boy, he was trying to do the thing where he, like, teases me mm-hmm. to, like, show that he likes me. Mm-hmm. And because we were 13 and he didn't have any better ideas, mm-hmm. he was like, what rhymes with Vendetti? Spaghetti! And so he would call me Spaghetti. And so that oh, is what my fun. name would be. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you for that. That was my last question. Time for game. Time for game. Are you ready? I'm proud of these ones. And then we can get out of this closet. <laughs> it's short. Okay. Um, so there are three batches today. Um, so as usual, this is the game where we pull up one star reviews. Two of them are real. One of them is one that we've made up and the other person has to guess. So Also, like Tyler has gotten so good at this game. I mean, she's I'm proud good of at myself. it to begin with, but... Like, now she's unbeatable, and I fear her. Every time I trick you, I just, like, ride this high for the rest of the episode. I guess I'm glad I could give you that. Um, well, let's see if I can keep it going. Are you ready? You know what this feels like? Sorry. Yeah, not to drag this on even longer. Yeah, when my brother and I would start, like, a new video game, like, we'd get Backyard Baseball for the PlayStation 2 or whatever, we'd both be kind of, like equally good and be fun for a while but then he would play all the time and get really good and then i would refuse to play with him anymore because i would always lose (laughs) i feel like we had similar childhoods because my brother and i also play video (laughs) games uh and he is the kind of person i like to joke that like in the womb i got like all of the bad qualities so i'm like anxious and like not athletic and all of this 
and he got everything I didn't get. Like they sort of just saved it all for him. So he's like good at sports. He's like charming. <laughs> he's like naturally good at everything. Okay, you're in, very good in, at, at a <laughs> <lot of> things. <laughs> but he's also very good at video games. And so it was a very similar setup. Um, I don't remember how we got there. I don't know. Let's play the game. Okay, great. Batch one. So there are names for all of these posters. And so here's the first one. This is posted by Barbara Kills All of Them. Does everything have to be political now? Oh. Makes Phil. me sick. This tome read like pro-choice propaganda through and through. The depravity of these In foster- what way? <laughs> the depravity. I'm going to tell you. The depravity of these foster care scenes were clearly meant to scare folks away from adoption. I bet if you ask these kids, they'd say they would rather live in home like these than be aborted and dead. <laughs> Ugh. That was the first one. Wait, what? That didn't make any sense <laughs> at all. And the next one is Nancy. She goes, <laughs> on page 185, the author describes demons of Nashville in terms of the country music stars who lived there at the time, including Carrie Underwood. At the time of this first encounter with Nashville, Demon was 11, <laughs> and it must have been the 1990s. Underwood didn't come on the scene on American Idol until the mid-2000s. Do your research. The last one, Amazon customer. I had no name. I enjoyed this book and thought I would rate it four stars. That is, until I got to page 198. Oh, no. When Demon's grandmother asked what we should do with him, Brother Dick responded with what sounded like, Roll them up. At that moment, I instantly thought of Charles Dickens' David Copperfield. (laughs) When Aunt Betsy Trotwood asked what they should do with him, Mr. Dick responded, Why, if I was you, I I should wash him. Not only... Did King Why, Solver- if I was you, I, I should wash him. <laughs> I should wash him. Not only did King Solver copy the same scenario, she was even so bold as to name both men Dick. Now, if that is not that's clear the point of the book, <laughs> if that is not clear-cut plagiarism, then somebody please it's educate not. me. Also, I'm sure this is in the public domain at this point. <laughs> well, here's the kicker. I'm certain this has been noticed by other reviewers, but I have not read them. I'll bet Dickens would love for King Oliver to be sent to workhouse for her outlandish chutzpah. To me, this is unforgivable. Chutzpah. Chutzpah. Happy Pesach. I don't know if that's what you say. It's it's Passover. It's Easter right now. Okay. I think you did the Carrie Underwood one. <sighs> You're so wrong. I'm not! I thought I was right! <gasps> I did Barbara Kills All of Them. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Mm. Uh, are you ready for batch two? Are you ready for it? Okay. Okay. Bruno goes, I don't get why they had to kill fast forward. He seems like an okay boyfriend. The girl, <laughs> what? <laughs> the, the girl honestly seemed like the troubled one. Maybe she wasn't ready to date. Like, slow down, Taylor Swift. Don't mess up the guy's life because you're not ready. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not only do they have Emmy slander, but Taylor Slope. <laughs> I knew oh, you appreciate God. that. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Carol is the next one. And she goes, the main problem was the book I ordered. Demon Copperhead. <laughs> oh, is it one of those? There's no pages. <laughs> Demon Copperhead was advertised 
as a paperback book. <laughs> Nothing was said about it being a large print copy. <laughs> so you when, should be so lucky. So you when can this, read it on the treadmill. Well, this was her concern. She goes, when this very large, all caps, book arrived, and also considering the weight, it was unacceptable to carry in my backpack on my upcoming vacation. Unacceptable! <laughs> Lemon grab ordered this So that was book. Carol's concern. And uh, the last one was Araminta. And she goes, I picked this up at my local library. I liked the cover and was amused by the synopsis. <laughs> amused. It, it read like a depression... Wait, it read like a depressing version <laughs> of Forrest Gump. I thought I'd give it a try. Is Forrest Gump a David Copperfield? I think he like quotes him at some point in the book, doesn't he? Oh my god. He does. God. So, good job, Araminta. She goes, I thought I'd give it a try, but 40 pages in, I lost all respect for the author. I'd never heard of her before, but she obviously had an issue with Christianity. Okay. The character what? seemed forced and cliche. I have been part of the foster care system and juvenile justice system in Idaho and grew up in Tennessee. And I was off put by her obvious dislike of, and this is misspelled, so I'm going to read it as she spelled it, Kristen's. She wanted to show what hypocrite Southern Kristen's, I hate Kristen's. <laughs> were, but she failed. I respected them even more after the 40 pages of slander against them, and I won't be finishing this book. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say you did very large print. You're wrong! <laughs> I did the Taylor Swift one. I thought it was oh, so obvious. I know. I thought it was you. too... You're right. Mm -hmm. you're, you, oh, you played me like a fiddle. Killing it. All right. Batch three. Final batch. Janet. Is the South really this much of a bummer? <laughs> if you if you know anything about <laughs> yeah. the South. I mean, Austin is nice. Why didn't they mention Austin? I've been there and there are no <laughs> drugs. <laughs> that was Janet. That was, if you wrote that, I was a, a piece of art. <laughs> All right. The next one is Jackson. Sorry, Barbara, but this one tanked. <gasps> An essay or a series of essays would suffice. I can't bear to give one star because Barbara is a national treasure, so two it is. Okay. Time to pull out the bean trees to cheer myself up. Oh, the bean trees? Her other book. I thought you said bean cheese. I think I did. <laughs> I meant to say trees. <laughs> I hope, Barbara, that you are able to find joy after miring in this hellhole for the length of oh time it took to write it. People in Amazon reviews love to say miring they love to say drivel those are the like two words they know i do love drivel it's one of my faves they love it judy okay. is the last one and she goes didn't enjoy this book at all could have been 200 pages shorter too depressing and that is coming from someone who reads world war ii novels <laughs> rush through it waiting for it to become oprah worthy never happened <laughs> i it. think that one was you it was not me <laughs> I was Janet! I was the first one! Oh my god, it was a work of art. It was a work of art. Okay. <sighs> okay. Final thoughts? Good book. Read it. Not bad. If you want to be, like, sad, but also know more about the U.S. and its poorly designed infrastructure, then god, read it. Poorly designed everything. Um, I will say... Sometimes I'm like, I don't want to listen to one of our books that were, you know, I always listen to it. You know this. The guy that was reading, I will say, kind of annoying at times, but overall for like 18 hours of listening to this man do like a full, like, Appalachian accent. Good. Oh no. Good. Good. Overall good. Like, 
How he did a good job. What is an Appalachian accent? Is that like... I mean, it's just like... Oh, God, I'm not going to do it very well. But it's just kind of like hard R's and stuff. <laughs> you know what I okay. mean? I, oh, God. I used to think I did a really good Texan accent. I don't know if I do anymore. Ooh. But, um, <laughs> I don't think that's bad. You don't think it's bad? It's not that bad. Um, anyway, so... Uh, Hill people voice is what, <laughs> what they call it in the book. Okay. Um, so, yeah. I, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Sometimes I don't want to listen to the books that we're reading for this podcast as I'm falling asleep because I don't want to miss any details, okay? But this book, I did because I thought it was such a good book and it just kind of washes over you and I think that's a beautiful thing because you're just experiencing this journey along with demon okay so um listen i was born in austin texas there were no drugs there's no drugs there um so i was that was incredible my made-up texan accent is what got me a role in the play that got me my first kiss ever it was on stage with your first kiss was on stage yeah who was it can we mention the guy in the play it was for the play i know but who was it a man who worked at Trader Joe's. How old was he? <laughs> I was like 22. How old were you? <laughs> like 16. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. We can unpack this drama yeah, later. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the guy who ultimately was my first real kiss was in the audience, but I didn't convince him. Did you kiss him me. during the same show? Or no, I... You kissed on stage and then you ran off into the audience? I thought we were on a date, um, and then I had to kind of bully him into asking me out like a year later. <laughs> I have I told you the story when I my again first boyfriend spaghetti when, <laughs> when you were spaghetti I was spaghetti but he called me spaghetti when uh, I knew he liked me and I didn't uh, like I wanted him to like say it because yeah. I'm annoying well, even though like be, all of my yeah, friends told me a coward so we went to like a like one of those middle school play or not plays middle school dances and he was like off to the side like looking at me from afar and he like told their friend like oh I like Tyler and the friend came over to me and told me and I was like you're so lucky Chris needs to tell me himself yes and so girl, he came yes. up to me and he was like I like you and I was like great Amazing. and that was that let's date oh I love that yeah I love that sorry you. I just no, you you're good you're good. Okay. Okay, so I like the book, and that was all that... Are you on Water Talk? What is Water Talk? Oh, my God. So... <laughs> Texas Okay, accent, here's something that will date this podcast real bad, but <laughs> Water Talk is exploding right now. It's mostly this one woman who's leading the charge, but <laughs> every day she makes water of the day, and she... <laughs> In her big old Stanley cup. Like a cucumber she, water? No. Mm-hmm. She fills it with ice. Oil. Oil. She fills it with ice and water. And then she gets a packet, a flavor packet. They got like all these flavor packets you can get everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, Starburst, pink only. She puts that in there. She's like, we're going to make a pina colada, whatever. And then she goes and get her, gets her skinny syrups. And does like two pumps of coconut, two pumps of... Uh-huh margarita or whatever <laughs> and then that's her water of the day um that i lost my accent there but <laughs> you were pretty good for a while though but this will really date you know water yeah. so like alcohol is water of the day no 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 it's there's no alcohol it's just water with syrup margarita syrup flavored margarita okay. flavored it's just sugar 
Why would you have a margarita flavored water if there's no alcohol? Because she's trying in to get it. her hydration in, and she's, she doesn't care if people hate on it. They say it's not water, but she's getting her hydration goals. <laughs> You're an inspiration. She's okay. an inspiration. Yeah, I think this is a new character you should bring back to other podcasts. I'm so and the London <laughs> Betsy Horg. What was her name? Oh, Betsy Tool. Tog. Yeah, well, <laughs> Roy. <laughs> Um, we have to get out of here we have to get out of here (laughs) we gotta pick the next one yeah okay where's your spinner Uh, I don't know you can do the little I think it's under the chocolate that's gotta be melted liquid by now if not you can just do the manually (sighs) okay you got the thing up I do do we have to choose a category yeah, I guess nonfic. I guess. Okay, okay. Or we haven't done children's in a while. So we'll <laughs> yeah, because um, the bad guys ended uh, so well for I us. Know, that's why we were so afraid of it for a while. <laughs> Five. Dragons love tacos. <laughs> By Adam Rubin. Okay, Dragons Love Tacos. And That'd the, be a nice little break for us. The description is, what to serve your dragon guests. Oh, what a delight. Okay, <laughs> tune in next week for Dragons Love Tacos. This has been bestsellers. I'm Maddie. And I'm Tyler. And and I'm sweaty. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> we'll Stay see you next cool. time. <laughs> Bye.